Praise to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we offer you this morning our worship, our praise, knowing that we only humbly do so because we are not worthy. But you desire your people to come into your presence. You desire your people to again experience your presence, your love, your power, your forgiveness, and life. We thank and praise you, Lord. Meet us here. Amen. So I wonder how you would fill in the blank, life is, life is. I, I think many of us, we have uh, certain words that right away kind of pop into our, our minds on that, but you know, we also have uh, others who have uh, answered that question, like, how about Forrest Gump? <laughs> he said, life is what, like a box of? All right, you guys, you watch too much TV. So, so life is like a box of chocolates in that you never know what you're going to get. And then F. Scott Peck, in his best-selling book, The Road Less Traveled, he wrote this, life is difficult. The opening line in his book. Once uh, uh, Martha and I uh, went to a timeshare uh, presentation don't worry, I'm not allowed to do that anymore. And I remember the last-ditch effort the salesman had trying to get us to finally sign on the dotted line. He said, you know, life is not a dress rehearsal. <laughs> you only get to live it once. Don't worry, we didn't buy. <laughs> But there are many uh, ways in which we seem to try to define life. You know, some have described it, you know, as, you know, that of a rat race, a bowl of cherries, a, a series of choices, a paycheck, a journey, an experiment, a party. Or how about life is hard and then you die? The fact is, in some way, each of these might resonate a, a little bit with us, but there are many different ways for us to look at and to define life. But why is it that when we are talking about or trying to understand what our lives are about, why is it do, that we try to reduce life down to you know, a, a simple definition or less than what it really is meant to be? Whether it's viewing life as nothing more than that time spent between birth and death. The dash that, you know, shows up, you know, on our grave marker between those dates. Or for some, you know, life is viewed as a dash, as in, you know, it's like you never stop. You're always running. You're always going. You're always doing something. And some, well... You know, life is seen as drudgery or filled with worry about having enough. Such views come from having life stolen from us. Jesus, drawing from a, a very familiar scene to those he was speaking to, he, on, he says this, you know, talking about a hillside and about a shepherd watching their sheep says this, a Thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy life. 
job of a shepherd was to lead. It was to protect. It was to provide for the sheep to feed them. But unfortunately, as in our days, there were robbers, there were thieves, there were those who would come and try to take away the shepherd's livelihood and take the life of the sheep. Likewise, in our world and in our lives, there are many paths before us, paths which we can travel that lead not to life, but to destruction. While we would never call these pursuits thieves and robbers, the truth is they are just that. They seek to destroy our attempts at fully embracing and experiencing life, the life as God intended it to be. The truth is this, that life is not found in pleasure, possessions, performance, position, pursuits. It's found through the creator of life and his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus says time and time again that he is the giver of life. How about in John chapter 11, verse 25, where he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Very good. Or later in that same gospel, he goes on to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Beginning to get the picture. Jesus himself is life. But I think the most powerful statement he made regarding life was this. A thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. They may have life in abundance. The I in this verse is emphatic. It means that life is found in none other than in him. Life is entered by no other other than Jesus himself. How would this be? Well, for us to understand how this life is entered, we must understand the special relationship between a shepherd and his sheep. For example, Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. I like that. I am the door. Jesus said that. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, particularly when I say it out loud, it sounds strange. He's a man. I'm a man. He's not a door. I'm not a gate. Now, sometimes maybe we felt like a doormat to some people, but I'm not a door. But you need to understand the context and the role of this shepherd. Because this is exactly what the shepherd does for his sheep. You see, when sheep enter their pen at night, and the, the pen that a sheep would be in there in that day, in Jesus' day, would probably be you know, about a waist-high stone wall, and the sheep would enter in through an opening, the door, per se. But there was no door. There was no gate to be closed saying, okay, you guys are good. I'll be over here sleeping, would say the shepherd. No. After all his sheep were in there, the shepherd would literally lie across the opening. As if to say, no sheep 
will leave here without crossing through me. And no wolf or any other animal that might come to devour my sheep will get there except through me. I am the door. I am the gate. No one comes in except through me. When Jesus said this, he meant that the fold had only one entrance. Life was, he was the source of life. Nourishment for life was obtained in no other way other than him. And heaven can be entered in no other way other than through him. And the single means of access to all that is life is Jesus. But sadly, at times, this one message of life and hope can be hidden or stolen. 502 years ago, a young man by the name of Martin Luther searched the scriptures to find if what the church was teaching according to God's word, was true or not. Now, you might uh, somehow think this kind of seems surprising. I and mean, why is he studying that? Isn't that what he did as a young man? Isn't that what he did when the seminary? But Luther, like most of those who were ordained in his day, had not read the scriptures. Remember, in that day, the scriptures were in the original languages of Hebrew and Greek and Latin. So Luther goes in, into studying and devouring this word to explore whether or not what he understood was true. On his own, this is what he tries to figure out. How do I have a relationship with a holy God when you, I know myself? When I know my sin? When I'm burdened by my sin? How do I have a relationship with such a holy, just God? What do I do with the weight of the sin that is burdening me? Luther, as I said, began to read. He began literally to devour the scriptures in the original languages. And he comes to Romans chapter 1, verse 17. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from the first to the last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Luther was overwhelmed. He could not believe what he was hearing. His whole life he had been working at and trying to somehow be able to please God and honor God and make up for all that he had done. And he never could. And this word struck him because it made it very clear to him that indeed it was only by faith in what Christ had done for him. He was overwhelmed and his eyes were opened as he discovered that through Jesus, Jesus' suffering and substitutionary death, that God gives us righteousness, holiness, life. This whole world was changed. And he went on to look at other passages like Romans 3, our reading for today. Now, apart from the law, has righteousness been made known? You hear what it's saying? Apart from the law.
the law. Only through Christ do we have righteousness. Only through Christ, not by the law, because I can't live perfectly under the law. Not one of us, all of us have broken every commandment. Not by the law then, but only through Christ. Or as Ephesians 2 says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, it is the very gift. One of the reasons why I desire to be in worship every week and every opportunity we get that chance because I need the gift of grace. I need Jesus in my life. We need these gifts of God himself. So what does this mean? Why are we celebrating? Well, my friends, hear this. God loves you. Not because of what you've done. Not because of what you've tried to do. Not because of what you've given. Not even because of who you are. God loves you because of who he is. Our God is love. Indeed. He is our Savior, and He did everything for us that we may have life. Today, we're not celebrating a denomination. We're not celebrating a man. We're not even celebrating the Bible being put into our hands and in our, our own language. We are celebrating Christ. We are celebrating Christ Jesus, because through him alone do we have forgiveness and life. Jesus came, he suffered, he died, and he rose again to pay the price once for all, that they may have life, that we may have life. By the way, this is not the appointed reading for uh, Reformation Sunday. The reason uh, we are using this is I approached uh, Amy as we were beginning to prepare for this celebration. And I said, Amy, do you have a, a passage, some verses that you would like to maybe make as part of this service? And at first she said, no, no, you choose whatever. And then she said, but I do have a life verse. And she said, that they may have life. And I thought to myself, how appropriate. How appropriate as we celebrate today, Reformation, the word of God, the gift of God, that it is by faith alone we are saved. How appropriate. For Amy, this is exactly why we are here. It's why we exist as a Christian congregation in this community, that others, too, may have life. It is why we built and have this early learning center ministry, that those children and their families, that they may have life. It is why everything we do, whether the upcoming mission trip, whether Advent by candlelight to those who the Lord will work through you to bring, it is that they may have life. 
have it abundantly in, through Jesus alone. Friends, this is what it's all about. That they may have life, that we may have life. Amen. Amen.